welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. I'm Dee, the managing editor at Anifem. You can find all my writings on my blog, The Jose Next Door, and you can also hang out with me on Twitter, at Jose Next Door. And I am joined today by fellow Anifem staffers, Peter and Vry. Hi, I'm Peter. I'm a producer at Crunchyroll and a contributor and editor at Anime Feminist. Hey, uh, I'm Vry. I'm an editor and contributor at Anime Feminist and also a freelancer. If you go to my Twitter, at Writer Vry, you can find all the stuff I do in my pinned tweet, or you can find the other podcast I co-host at TrashPod. And today we are checking in on the winter 2019 season. Uh, We're about at the midway point, uh, so now seemed like a good time to uh, see how all the shows are doing. Um, As we've kind of started to do with these, um, we will basically be using our preview guide as our template, so we'll be starting from kind of the bottom of that list and working our way up. Um, To keep these to a reasonable length, we'll be kind of skipping over anything... um, even if one person is watching, if there's nothing really to report, we'll just kind of jump past that and get into the shows that um, multiple people are watching or that, you know, deserves a little extra love or commentary. Um, so with that in mind, um, the bottom half of the list, as per usual, uh, Peter, you are watching all of the shows. I am. Uh, is there anything is there anything in that in that uh, bottom chunk, like the red flags that you wanted to mention? Uh, maybe one or two things. Uh Quick question: do, do either of you know if Wadaten is done by the same people who did uh, uh, Uzumade? It is. It's uh, it is. Dogen okay, because okay. it is like the same show, actually. Same story beats. At the halfway point, they introduced a stalker who goes after the main character, wants to make clothes for kids. It's like the same show. It's so comforting to know they've made a cozy niche for themselves in lesbian pedophile shows. I don't know if they're just going to keep doing riffs on exactly the same show, but. I hope not. Dokakobo is a really good animation studio, and I would like them to do not garbage again. Like, I don't know, second season of Nozaki-kun, Dokakobo. That'd be nice. Uh, No, they'll get the second season of Koayashi, and we'll all suffer. (laughs) I do want to say, like with Uzumade, there's, like, a really good story buried underneath all of the uh, bad stuff. Um, The main girl is uh, very... Uh, I guess she's kind of a neat, has a lot of social anxiety. Her younger sister actually tries to help her out. Like, they make a board game where if you fall on a spot, you have to, like, shake hands with her or say hi to her or something like that to, like, help her train to socialize with people again. Uh, which is something that great that they could have focused on, but they didn't, um, much like Usamade. So it's I'm very sad that they have, like, a really good story that they decide, like, isn't strong enough and they need to bolster it with jokes about... Um, stalking miners i guess the only other thing i can really think to bring up is girly air force i remember in vry's preview it ta- uh, there was mentioned that uh it was kind of othering the g and possibly indicating that they were um they, like as an allegory for the chinese military was that the the big issues that you brought up i mean it was something that i mentioned i don't I with no idea of whether it would become a thing. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I just kind of, like, want to go on our, our base concerns, and um, I, I don't think it's really focusing on that too much. Uh, it's it's made sure to kind of... They've shown a couple shots and uh, like of Chinese towns that have been attacked by the Xi. The main character's sister, I think is she's... Or, like, she's not really a sister, is Chinese. Um, he lived in China for, like, several years beforehand, so... Um, I think they're they are at least try, portraying China as like a victim of G attacks. Um, also, the pilots, whatever they're called, daughters or avatars, daughters of the planes, avatars of the girls, 
uh, are made of G parts, quote unquote. Um, and they kind of have an arc where you find out all the soldiers hate her because she's made of G parts. Um, and the main character has trouble grappling with that because they killed his parents. Um, but he has to recognize that she's a person and she's not, you know, you're not defined by the alien parts that your body is composed of or something like that. <laughs> so I, don't, sure. I think it, it is not maybe, or it's making attempts to like not be xenophobic, um, where is it still a tongue bath of the JSDF? I don't know. They've, they've, I think, mo- like, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a lot of it is just like, hey, cool. Like, fighting in planes is really cool. And planes are cool. Uh, but uh, <laughs> they they have, like, his sister's not happy about it. Uh, and the doctor who's kind of running the program is kind of supposed to be a sociopath. Um I don't think they're really trying to, like, lionize him or anything like that. So I, I think maybe they're, like, taking some cues from uh, Gendo Ikari or something there. That's what he's supposed to be. So I don't... <laughs> but Jets are super sure, doubt, okay. but all right. Yeah, yeah. it sounds... Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I don't I don't have any burning desire to see it, but it sounds like it, it did not go... It did not go down the darkest timeline, so <laughs> good for it. Um, so I guess that brings us to uh, the yellow flags that uh, some of us are watching, and I'll start with this one, which it's weird to see it this low on the list, but it was just because um, the guys were kind of handsy in the first episode. Uh, Meiji Tokyo Renka has turned into one of my favorite shows of the season. It is um, an Otome adaptation where a girl gets sent back in time, and she's also like a spirit medium. Um, and the first episode is really not very indicative of what the rest of the show is going to be. Um, it's mostly a time travel comedy. It's very goofy in a way that I am extremely here for, um, with May trying to deal with, um, living in, uh, Meiji era Tokyo and meeting like these real life historical figures who are of course all sparkling pretty boys. And, um... There's like there's there's a long gag about how she can't remember how much things are, so they'll be like, oh, it's three yen. And she's like, that's super cheap, and they're like, no, that's really expensive. And um, and then like this one guy thinks she's super. Uh, oh, guy, I think she's cultured because she occasionally drops English into her speech and has heard of two Shakespeare plays, uh, because you know obviously at the turn of the century, like Western culture was just sort of entering Japan, and so a lot of people didn't necessarily you didn't casually learn about Romeo and Juliet in school like you like you like a lot of kids do nowadays. Um, so it plays with those aspects uh, very well. May is absolutely wonderful. She's really not here for the romance aspect. She's mostly here to eat food and help people with their problems. Um, and then the show kind of tries to shoehorn the romance in, and it it doesn't really work, but it's only like 10% of the episode, so it doesn't bother me. Um, it's kind of a mess. The last two episodes featured an arc that was a bit uncomfortable at points um one of the characters is an actor and he spends part of his time uh uh, cross-dressing as a woman like he's a geisha basically um and it's not clear if he's researching a part or if this is just something he enjoys doing um the show is pretty chill about it but you know it's very existence might make some folks kind of uncomfortable um may goes to him for advice on how to be an elegant lady because she doesn't know anything about etiquette in this time period and she feels like she's embarrassing um uh, oh guy who's kind of taken her in and is looking after her um and 
I'm not super fond of the idea of like, oh, I need to change myself for a man. But it's at least framed in a way where it's more like, I don't know anything about this time period and he's been really nice to me and I just don't want to like embarrass, you know, people by making all these social faux pas. Um, so it it's it's played about as well as it could be, I guess. Um, and again, May is just, she's just so good. They go to a, they go to a drinking party and these guys are trying to get handsy and May just pops them in the face with a tray um, while very politely smiling and telling them that sexual harassment is wrong. Um, and... The guys are okay. They're not amazing, except Lafcadio Hearn, because he's adorable. He's just a big puppy dog, and I love him. Um, but yeah, I'm very much enjoying Meiji Tokyo Renka. Uh, it's a little bit of a problematic fave, but um, I would, if folks were kind of put off by the first episode, I would say give it another one, because the first episode doesn't really tell you what it's going to be, which is a much sillier, brighter show about a girl screwing around in Meiji-era Tokyo. We've had a, a rash of good Otome protagonists, if not out and out good Otome shows lately. It's nice. Yeah, the there's been there's definitely been a trend towards them being more active and um, having personalities instead of just being like flat audience stand-ins, and it's it's great to see. So I hope that trend continues. Yeah, nice. Would you say the uh, the original placement is accurate, or that it should be moved up? Um, I think it's. I think it's probably still a yellow flag just because of some of these kind of on the edge issues where the show keeps from getting like bad, but it's just right there with some of the way the guys treat her. Oh God, I forgot the part where she's training to be a lady and she keeps getting smacked with a ruler and it's played as comedy and it's not funny. Um, but I would, so I would keep it in yellow flags, but again, I think there's, I think there's a lot to like if you can kind of, um, if the, if that, that, sort of five to ten percent of sort of uh, um doesn't push you away yeah so um yeah I'd, I'd keep it there but again it's yellow flag just means it's it's got some problems it doesn't mean it's you know irredeemable or anything so um okay next one on the list we are all watching and i feel like we might have a lot <laughs> to talk so about here <laughs> when will i get to watch a garbage anime all the way through yeah somehow somehow we're, we're all three watching this one uh magical girl spec ops oscar um, and we're all caught up, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. As of the, so we're recording this, folks, um, a few days before it's going to go live. So by the time this episode goes up, there will be one more episode of Asuka out. But we've um, seen through five, the end of the kidnapping arc. It's it's it was doing so. I um, I was surprised. I've, I've actually gotten a little heat over this, but whatever, people are protective of this genre, that I think this is in some ways the best dark magical girl show we've had in years, in Same. that the genre's not very... It has not, I think, found its voice yet. We had we had Madoka, which kind of kicked off what the current version of, the, of what you would call a dark magical girl show is, even if there were dark elements in magical girl shows before that. But then you had a whole bunch of Madoka copycats, and then you had, like, the grim, dark, edgy crap, like, magical girl sight. And I feel like it's, as a subgenre, still trying to find its feet in a way that's not just needlessly showy and nihilistic for shock value or an also ran. And I think this one is closer than most in that, like, it's clearly about Asuka actually wanting to, you know, embracing those positive elements of being a magical girl, even if it's hard and like saving people. And, you know, there's it, the opening and ending have these very hope, th these, these, this very hopeful imagery and, I like that it is genuinely sympathetic about how it treats PTSD and it uses actual like 
recuperation uh, and coping techniques. The surprisingly plausible uh, magical fix for PTSD that actually right. had some like scientific understanding of what happens when you suffer from post-trauma stress. Yeah. And like, so, so I like all of that. And I, I think it's kind of cute how ugly it is. Cause it is a very ugly show. It's, it's not attractive to look at now, aesthetically. <laughs> um, but then it, and like, I can brush off some of the weird jiggle physics or whatever, but the torture scene was bad. You guys, it was bad. Just bad storytelling too. Yeah. Because I was really impressed with the barbecue scene beforehand because I thought it was very sinister and kind of used the audience's imagination against them. So, But then they just did the torture scene anyway. I was like, no, it would have been scarier if you didn't show what they did. Uh-huh, if they had just cut from the barbecue scene straight to the, the arm lopping. That would have been fine. It would still be grim dark, but it, would, it wouldn't feel so gratuitous as tying a naked girl to a block with her back arched and her, like, boobs very prominently shoved forward and then, like doing water torture on her that if you color changed that water it would be a hentai that was like five minutes long too mm-hmm. it was just completely it was, it unnecessary was so long you're not learning anything um, i honestly thought it would be worse than it was i think i was braced for it to be so much worse than it was as far as like the as far as like camera framing and shit yeah, goes me too. um so i think i wasn't quite as put off um as you were Vry, but it was it was bad i got through that episode and um, my roommate's kind of keeping up with it, too. And I was like, I need to see how this arc ends, but there's a real good chance I'm going to drop this show like a hot potato. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I thought they I thought they pulled it back in a way that is keeping me somehow still watching uh, with the next episode and the way they the way they wrapped up the arc. Um, it is to me, it's what happens when you smash kind of like an edgy, quote unquote, like a thousand air quotes around the word edgy, mm-hmm. like. American action flick with the dark magical girl genre like that's the feel that I get from it is like you know like a gritty war movie um but with magical girls <laughs> and so it has and so it has a lot of the elements of that genre in terms of like reveling in you know shocking violence and uh look how bad the bad guys are sort of torture scenes and um it's hot trash. Yeah. Like, let's be, let's all be honest Absolutely here. Absolutely, it is. I think we can all agree, Oscar is hot trash. Mm-hmm. Um, but it keeps, it keeps from that scene was torture porn. Absolutely, it was. it was bad. But the show as a whole keeps from being misery porn by like finding ways to wheedle the story into more of this kind of like war is hell, but there are things worth fighting for, sort of angle. Yeah. Um, it keeps like finding that thread, and so for all the garbage fan service, and Kudumi's poor boobs, um, and that awful torture scene, um, I still keep finding myself coming back to it. And maybe I'm just really hard up for some like good trash, but this is as close as it's been for a few seasons. I, I think I'm willing to give it another episode or two. Weirdly enough, like I'm I'm completely done if it goes back into another like really gratuitous torture porn scene because like yeah but for sure but also I'm kind of low key annoyed about Karumi because like we've got the obviously evil lesbians on the villainous side and like I just want Karumi to be an actually like to ha- some kind of acknowledgement or requirement of, 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 of her feelings as opposed to yet another weird pining stalker who's technically on the good guy's side. 
Yeah, she's very into Asuka, and she gave off a few Yandere vibes for like a half second, and then yeah, I was really concerned of, for a moment. Back on that. Uh, yeah, mm. me too. Yeah, I was like, oh no, she's crazy, <laughs> but then that they just stopped doing that. Yeah, they pulled back from it, which is nice. I think, yeah, I probably would have dropped it if that were the case. I don't need like even the heroes to be creepers that like I, I can't root for or anything. It's kind of it kind of wants to be like the born identity with magical girls, but it just ends up being like a really schlocky Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> That's yeah. That that is apt. Yeah, but I do also feel like since it wants to be an action movie, that means that the characters have agency whereas in a lot of dark magical girl shit, it's like they have powers, but the powers do not stop them from being victims who are, at the end of the day, utterly powerless to stop what happens to them. So I feel like Asuka really floats on that, since you feel like the characters can and will do things. Yeah, I'd say that's a good assessment. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. So I'm always, like, five minutes from dropping it, but I haven't quite done it yet. Yep. Um but, I mean, obviously from our description, I think we would, we would God, might possibly move it down into Red Flags. It's, it firmly belongs to Red Flags now. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot. Um, we, are, we are somehow still watching it's it. the Black Red Flag Home. we're all watching. There's a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Which is, a, you know, a rarity. But, again, there's, there's, I think there's just enough there that we're kind of intrigued by it. Um, okay, next one on the list is Endro. Peter, did you want to touch on that one at all? Anything worth mentioning? Or is it pretty much... Uh, what it was at the start. Yeah, well, it had that uh, big event that became big on social media, much like Anima Yell. Are those made by the same people too? Yeah, I was gonna wa- I was gonna try to watch that at least that episode because mm-hmm. Endro's not one I was like actively. I-, I liked it okay. It's just that it fell by the wayside because I'm busy, kind of thing. But I did not get to it, unfortunately. Yeah, it's just very like pastel, goofy comedy show. Uh, pretty mm-hmm. inoffensive, but uh, it did have. Uh, it was was it the last episode? Yeah. They had a scene where, uh, I, I have mixed feelings about it, uh, but I'm also, like, maybe the last person who should be talking about this. They had a scene which kind of uh, generated a bit of buzz on social media when the princess of the kingdom shows up and basically expresses romantic interest in the female hero character. She kind of not quite asked her to get married. Um, and then the girl, she says, that, you know, the, but I'm a girl line. And the princess goes, oh, I'll just change the law. Which was, I think, uh, a lot of people liked that it was very prominently gay and also kind of addressed the fact that it's illegal in Japan um, via this fantasy world laws. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that the law should be changed because it's dumb. So that was good. Uh, Personally, I was kind of worried about the character because she's the obsessed in kind of a creepy way. Not like Kurumi. (laughs) She's Tomoyo. Yeah, she read uh, hero stories ever since she was a kid. Super obsessed with the hero. Shows up, didn't know the hero was a girl, um, but says, oh, that doesn't matter because she was just interested in the hero no matter what. Kind of like throws a hero fair where she slaps her face and everything. Um, Is very obsessed with the idea of the hero. Has been around for half an episode. Is, I, I guess, going to stick around, but I don't know if they're ever going to address the romance again. So the romantic angle really came out of nowhere, and I don't know if they're going to drop it. So I guess, like, good moment, but I don't really know if they have committed to anything, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. not having had a chance to watch it, it does sound kind of like a fairly standard thing for cute girl shows, where you have kind of the one character who is a really bold, forward fangirl, but it's kind of played for laughs, and even lines like, you know, it, you know, it doesn't, you know, love is love, it doesn't matter if it's two girls, is 
usually kind of implicitly played as, ah, oh, this character is so ditzy, she doesn't know about social mores. Ho <laughs> ho. Yeah. Like, so it just, I guess it depends on if she sticks around and if they then do anything with it or if that never comes about again. It's like, it's not 1996 anymore. We have moved on from Tomoyo. I guess uh, I'll, I'll report back later on. That's good. Yeah, and keep us keep us posted on it for the... That'll be a good one to check in at the series uh, retrospective and see if they kind of commit to that arc or if it falls by the wayside, because that could be really nice if they do stuff with it. So Okay, uh, the next two, Domestic Girlfriend and Pastel Memories, none of us are watching. Um, but the next one we're all watching, it is My Roommate is a Cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get a ton of in-depth conversation out of this one, but... I love it, and it's adorable. I call this show, is it feelings, or am I off my meds? <laughs> it's feelings, right? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's, it's feelings. <laughs> yeah, that third episode, uh, That's uh, you finish that one, and then you call your mom right away. <laughs> um, yeah, I've... I've just I've really enjoyed this one. I like the the balance between the the human story and the cat story. Um, I like watching the the world sort of gradually expand. I think it's really well made um, as far as like pacing and direction and everything goes. Um, it's it's just a really nice story about like building a family, basically. Yeah, it, it's nice. I, I did find Subaru really intolerable in that first episode. <laughs> Yeah, I'm apparently the only person who didn't hate Subaru from like day one. I thought he was. I thought we were meant to kind of like laugh at him, yeah. um, and I think that made it work for me. Like his tragic backstory being someone uh, in that first episode being like someone spoiled a book for him, <laughs> um, and I was like, okay, this is this is Relatable. funny. Like he's he's an antisocial grump, um, but we're kind of supposed to see it as as like this is a little you're being silly. Um, which I thought was sort of a refreshing change of pace from, like, I was horribly bullied and mistreated all my life, and now I don't trust anybody, you know? Right. Um, so, I, I, yeah, again, I think I'm the only person who thought Subaru was fine from day one. Um, I was, like, mostly, and they've more or less dropped it by now, like, halfway in, but I was, I find the whole um, genius male author who gets to treat his publishing agency like trash and not get fired really tiring. That is just a trope that rubs me the wrong way personally, because I know a lot of indie authors who could never get away with that shit. Yeah, I guess I didn't think he treated his, I thought his agent was, I thought Subaru was pretty clear about like what he, the relationship he wanted as far as like what is what he wanted an editor to do. And his editor just kind of ignored those boundaries. And I didn't really blame him for being sort of irritated by that. Like it wasn't like he was ignoring his edits or not turning in his manuscripts on time. Like he just wanted their relationship to stay professional and his, his cinnamon roll of an editor was not having it. Um, so again, I, I didn't feel like he was, treating his editor that badly i thought he was just pretty blunt about what he needed or wanted out of their relationship Mm. and i mean he's come a long way i I feel like the show once in a while it tips into all right this is not a thing you can solve by becoming more social i think maybe you should look into therapy but for the most part like it's it's very good at keeping it on the fact that he has a lot of these stunted social skills from grief and uh you know afraid to and fear of reaching out to other people and i feel like it balances that surprisingly nicely yeah it's it's been sweet to watch the cat as kind of an entry point for him to connect with other people surprisingly sad too i was not expecting this much i don't know if you two watched the last episode but uh i did there's sad stuff in this show i was expecting there is i got a little choked up yeah 
Missed I mean, this show killed a kitten in the first episode, so like it goes hard. Yeah, it. Um, but it. Yeah, but overall, I. It's. It's. Yeah, I think it's just. It's just good. Um, I can't think of anything that we necessarily need to warn folks about. Some. I mean, some depictions of anxiety. I guess that's pretty much. Um, and I mean, de- like there, there is definitely a fear, of, fear of dead and dying animals. Like that's an anxiety for Haru. Oh, sure, sure, sure. That's fair. Um, which like so like if you're a person who is sensitive to animal death in movies, it might stress you out. Yeah, that's fair. It's played. I mean, I would say with restraint for sure. Absolutely. Um, but but it's it's an element of the story because Haru was a stray cat, and the show doesn't shy away from the fact that uh, it's not easy being a stray cat. Yeah. Um, Crows are so. evil though. Like I don't. I, crows are the I worst. I feel like it really portrays crows as like villains. I feel bad. Crows aren't bad. That's the problem I crows have with the this worst, show. Peter. No, crows are fine. Crows are the worst. Crows are cute. <laughs> oh, but Ray has cute crows. <laughs> she she had. Oh gosh, I don't. Uh, Demos and Phobos. Yeah, the gods of the underworld, right? right. Yeah. They were crows good. Are crows. Yeah. Really smart. They're basically like flying cats. <laughs> That's Which I guess is why they are each other's natural enemies in the yeah. show. My big problem with Roommate as a Cat is it portrays crows very negatively, and I don't appreciate that. <laughs> Peter's scathing critique of my roommate as a cat. There you go. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, okay, let's move on, because um, we are about at the halfway point, I think, and there's still quite a bit to talk about here. Uh, okay, none of us are watching Kamui Kusa. I kept meaning to go back to it and just never did. Um but the one above that is Kaguya-sama. Love is war. I cannot believe how much I like this show. God, me too. Um, so I watched the first episode of this sort of, I half watched it like over my roommate's shoulder, basically, while I was doing something else. And I found it so exhausting. I was like, I don't have any. I'm never coming back to this. Like, I don't even want to watch the entire first episode on my own. Um, and then Caitlin uh, kept talking it up in the in our team chat. And, and then in the three-episode review, she gave it a really good review, and I was like, okay, I should come back to this. It is Hatakayama, and I love him, so I need to, you know, he's directing it, so I need to try this out. And I caught up within, like, a night, um, and just, because I, I just started with episode two and just immediately loved it. I think it's because the rest of the series doesn't do what episode one did, which just made it, like, galaxy brain confrontations, because they, they actually, mi- like, they mixed up the formula, period, because there's, like... Uh, three or four different like types of skits that they do, which aren't necessarily mm-hmm. confrontational, or just kind of result in like one of them coming out ahead. Which that that's what I had, I like was very disinterested in the first episode, but uh, then the ne- other episodes had other characters playing more prominent roles, them not being pitted directly against each other, and like different scenarios where they weren't just in the room trying to outsmart one another. And I think that's mm-hmm. when the show became fun for me because. I just, like, wasn't too interested in them trying to, like, beat each other, I guess. Well, and the more you see of them with other people, the more you realize that, one, they're actually pretty decent kids. Um, They're just very stupid about this one thing. And also, they are idiots. (laughs) Um, Both of them. In ways that I think is pretty clever. Like, I think the show is very much playing on a lot of, like, like, gendered expectations about relationships and romance. Um in ways that is pretty fun. Like when, um, 
Chirogane is trying to give dating advice about this girl, and he's like, oh yeah, no, she's definitely into you, and is like playing hard to get, and Kaguya's on the other side of the door like, no, that's not what's going on here at yeah. all. Uh, you clearly don't actually understand, like, social cues. Mm-hmm. And then the very next, ep- then like the next sketch or the next episode, we get the bit about the fact that Kaguya has been like completely sheltered and basically didn't get sex education at all, which is the moment I had to pause because I was laughing so hard I could not read the subtitles anymore. Yeah, that was, uh, um, that was brutal. Yeah, I feel, and I feel like there was definitely a marked shift between the first episode and the other ones where the skits in the first episode are mostly kind of humiliation based, where in the, the other ones shift more towards the person who wants to win wants to look to show that they are good at something or to get the other person mm-hmm. to give them something, not to get the other person to lose, per se, even if it's still totaled in terms of wins and losses. Like it's about it, it ends up being about growth. Yeah, it's and the show does a good job of balancing it. Like I, th- I feel like the 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 two leads take turns being goofy or you know having a nice admirable moment as well. Um, so it 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 maintains kind of an an equality among the cast, which is nice. And also, can we talk about how Chica is the best character of the season? Chica's very well, okay. Good. Maybe yeah. Maybe May is. Anyway, they're both amazing. Uh, but yeah, Chica's so good. Um, from the in the earliest bits i thought she was just going to be kind of like the ditzy sidekick character um and she has become so much more than that she's wonderful yeah, the uh the guess the word game was a very good skit as well i don't know i, I feel like i raised that boy is the line of the season oh, yeah, yeah. where like chica that. transcended time and space <laughs> and became a mcelroy it's extremely memeable yeah, um she's good yeah i, I had to cap that because yeah she's she's delightful and yeah they're the the relationship between the three of them is is fun. Yeah. So. And we might be getting character development too, hopefully. Uh, I, I don't, it, it seems like one of those like four coma things, which just goes on with the same formula forever, uh, even though it fixed up and it's actually fun. Um, but they had that one thing with the other school where they actually, what was it? Uh, Kaguya defended the guy from the girl who was just yelling French at him. Uh, and then, yes! and then they had the moment really at the good. end where she said she liked something about him, but she wouldn't remember what it was. And I was like, Oh, is this character development? Is the plot moving forward? But I, we'll see if that sticks. I mean, Yamada's first time was based on a four coma, I think. And then that that, that turned out as a really nice series with development and whatnot. So I'm just wondering, is it going to have a beginning, middle, and end? Or is it just going to be skits and skits and skits and skits? And then uh, that was your 12 episodes, all the skits are done. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if, if, they, uh, if it develops into more of a story format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's funny. It's I laugh a lot every episode, so I'm I'm happy to see the skits at this point. Yeah. Like I'm okay with that. I could do with like one or with with a little less of the the jokes where where kind of the joke is that Kaguya Kaguya is friends with Chika, but will instantly throw her aside if it means it has something to do with her competitive nature. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. This joke is uh, this show is funny enough that I don't hate that, but I'd be happier without it. Yeah, I'd like to see the two of them bond a little bit more. Um, like, the volleyball bit with Chika and Shirogane was so good because it, it was goofy, but it also kind of has this has this nice ending of, like, the two of them having this bonding moment, you know, where they work together towards this common goal. Um, so I'd like to see some more of that with, um, with Kaguya and Chika as well. Um, kind of take on because I feel like the show is and this I think I think this tends to happen with comedies like even ones that have sharp edges like you kind of almost have to soften over time or otherwise it just gets it just feels mean mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. 
And I think I think we're seeing that with Kaguya-sama in ways that I enjoy. So I hope that it kind of continues to go that way while still having that that kind of social critique bite uh, to it that I'm enjoying quite a bit. They've also gone to the well well of boob jealousy more than once, and that they can have, stop. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, I binged it all at once, and so I think the more annoying bits kind of floated out of my head. It, yeah, I mean, like, nitpicks aside, it is very, it's so good looking. Oh, oh my god, it's so stylish. Yep. Yeah, Hatakeyama's a hell of a director. Uh, turns out he can do comedy. Turns out he can do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> um... And I continue, I would love to see him do an original work at some point because he adapts the hell out of stuff. So mm-hmm. um, he, for the folks at home who are like, who the fuck is Hitakayama? I'm sorry. I told myself I wasn't going to drop an F-bomb in this podcast, but here we are. Um, Hitakayama directed Shouagen Roku Rakugo Shinju is probably the one uh, folks listening to this would be most familiar with. Um, he's also done, he did Sankarea, which he elevated what was really not very good source material into a surprisingly good little anime Record of um, and War. he did and he did and he did Grand Crest War which um, I maintain that the direction was quite good um, the story just wasn't <laughs> that's not his fault uh, so this is a good pairing of, of solid material with uh, a director who is making it very energetic and exciting to watch and it's yeah it's really well done visually because I think this could this is a show that could be very boring but um, the camera's very active and there's some nice little touches of like surrealism and it's delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Love the Yeti. Okay. Um, we do need to keep going. Uh, but the next couple, none of us are watching. So this is easy. Dimension high school and Bermuda triangle, colorful pastoral. Um, and that ends the harmless fun category and gets us up into, um, the it's complicated category, which I'm glad we added that one. Uh, bottom of this list, The Promised Neverland. All three of us are watching. All three of us have read the manga, so we need to be real careful not to give anything away. Yeah, this away one's going to be on really hard podcast. to discuss, especially when you're talking about yeah. the merits. Can we even say anything? I don't care for the doll. Yeah. Oh, that was a bad addition. I don't like it. I am. So, I am so much more bothered by Sister Crone in the anime than I was in the manga, and I. I don't. I. I haven't gone back and done like a like a comparison to the original panels to see if maybe it was handled better. I have some suspicions as to why that is, but I am much more uncomfortable with her portrayal in the anime. Yeah, she she's um, crazy in the anime. She I think she's flat out crazy. Uh, and in the manga, she is not crazy. She's basically the same as mom. She's scheming. She's very clever. Yeah. And yeah, and I think the anime, I the anime did a thing, and I appreciate the attempt. They did a thing where they wanted to drop the inner monologues which i think can i think works fine in like print but can slow down visual media a lot uh so i don't mind them trying to shuffle everything into speech and um action rather than inner monologues like it is in the manga quite a bit um but because of that they added a doll and then immediately got rid of it when it had served its plot purpose which was to give crone something to talk at uh so we'd flashbacks though i mean there's gonna be flashbacks you can just use those to frame what her goal is because if you watch the flashbacks, you'll know what she's trying to do. You don't need her to say out loud what she wants to do. I, I think that's like in conflict with what they're trying to do, where they kind of have all the characters, they-, they show what the characters are thinking by what they do uh, and like by what's happening uh, to try to eliminate, yeah, like as you said, all the-, the monologues that happen inside the manga. But in this one, they're mm-hmm. basically giving her something to monologue at rather than letting yeah. the action show what her goals are which I, I would have used flashbacks. It was awkward, and it shifted her character in a way that made the uh, already um, unfortunate yeah. 
uh, portrayal issues. Um, I think more more so. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think, and again, I'd have to go back and look at the manga, but I know when I was reading it, I felt like uh, Demizu's art uses a lot of contorted faces for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in the anime, I feel like they're saving a lot of that for Crone in a way that's, um, again, very, very poor decision portrayal that ends up just looking like they're specifically caricaturizing uh, the the black woman in the in the cast. Yeah, uh, yeah like like talking about Promise Neverland. There's there's bas- there's like a whole core level of issues of caricatured character design and certain racialized character traits that she was given. And um, we've linked Jackson P. Brown's article before uh, in the three episode review, yeah. which you all should definitely read. Uh, but in a different, we'll link it in the podcast post as well. Yeah. We'll we'll link it again. It's it's worth reading. Like, um, but, but like in addition to that, I feel like they have made so many bad decisions with Crone. Uh, like first you have the doll, which makes her look like it's not just that she wants to be a mom. It's that the way she treats that doll, it's like they're trying hard to imply that she would specifically be a bad mom. Like that yeah. her and she abuses that it's, it, which is yeah. not a present thing in the manga at all. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. It, it's just that she didn't win out for the position. So it was you that brought up the, the the plausible good reason for having the doll? Yes, but we can't talk about it. That's heavily spoiler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. <laughs> um, but, and, and I don't think it applies anymore with what they've done with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Since they I, immediately I, got rid of it. Yeah. I liked um, the way that you thought of the, like, what the originating idea for the doll might have been. But, yeah, in execution, it was just bad. Man, we're coming down hard on The Promised Neverland, which we all love. I know. Yeah. And here's yeah. the thing. We've been, we've been, we've, we've been so high on the manga. I wrote an article about it. I love it. the manga. Um, I mean, I've always been, you know, I've always been really upfront about the fact that like Sister Crone's character design is bad and there's a lot of issues with yep, it. No escaping. Um, although, although, but the thing, but other than, it was one of those things where it was like, if you just either had other black women in the cast, like prominent figures, cause I mean, there are, there's like a kid, but she's barely yeah, in it. J- Jemima does not um, have lines. And also her name is Jemima. I know that was a bad choice, guys. Like, if you just, like, either had more or just not made Crone a black woman, I think her actual character in the manga, again, and the, the two have deviated at this point, so, like, I don't feel like I'm saying spoilers right now. I've, I I liked the character arc, and I like, and so I was kind of able to go, oh, this sucks, but I can look past, I can, you know, kind of look past it and, like, look at the other really good stuff this series is doing. Yeah, the conclusion of her um, character and arc in is the really anime, good. Yeah. it's just, they, they've just, some of the changes they've made, then the way they've exaggerated other aspects that were already kind of negative in the manga, like, it's a lot harder for me to focus on the other yeah. stuff. I, I feel like <laughs> right uh, now. In, um, the, in the manga, you could say that, like, like the way visually she's represented is very bad, but when you, like, come down to the way she's characterized and her, like, narrative arc, they're good, right? I think so, yeah. but it's also not our lane. Yeah, yeah, true, Super true. Like, not I'm our not lane. Sure we but should. But I, I, I um, will say I liked her character, and I had I wound up having a. She's maybe my favorite character at the end of the day in the series. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to put quality labels on it because that's so not our place to do. Um, but I will say I. I did. I will say I liked it. Yeah, um, I you know there were definitely some things about it that made me uncomfortable, but overall I liked it. And the anime, I just I just dislike everything about it. It feels like it feels like the manga maybe didn't maybe was like unconscious bias, and the anime it feels conscious. Yeah, that's that's what we're that's like kind of what I was trying to get at. And I'm worried that her ending is going to be different now because the way they're framing her, which would I'm a little concerned about yeah. that too. And that would be real bad. The, so. They have, they are coaching her to sound like Jun Fukuyama, and I don't know what that's about. She sounds like Grell. 
like they've gone for unhinged so hard and I don't yeah. like it. Well, no, me neither. So I guess fingers crossed, uh, <laughs> but it's already pretty not great. I hope they, they, they can get her character back on track, but I'm not, I don't feel super great about that at this point. Um, and again, we don't want to we don't want to get too deep into things, but um, over I think the characterization for pretty much everybody is really really good in the manga, yeah. and um, I think we're losing or sort of having some of that sort of shuffled around in ways that I'm not fond of in the anime. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've noticed a lot of people who are anime only talking about Emma in terms of like her her canniness doesn't show up so well until I think that's better now in the most recent episode where, where specifically she's talking with Ray and like clearly seeing through him, even if she's not calling him on it. Like, I think that's starting to come across now, but definitely for the first three or four episodes, I I saw a lot of people like, Oh, well she's kind of the ditzy heart of the team. Who's good at physically, but, and also we keep harping on this imagery of how she's going to be a mom, which I feel like it's not that it's not there in the manga. It's just that there were other factors that pulled you away from it and then they took those out for the anime um and again i think that is one of those places where dropping the internal monologue um i think the i i think like animation wise and like a lot of the directing decisions um have been have been effective for the show um but i do think that that i think that the dropping of the internal monologue makes means it will take you longer to kind of see the full picture of who emma is um, because she is a very bright, optimistic person while also being, you know, uh, very intuitive and clever and a fierce survivalist. And so, um, I think we'll, I think we'll get there with them. I think we'll be fine on that, on that front. But yeah, it, I think it is taking a little bit longer for that to be, uh, clear for folks who are just watching the anime. If the, if the anime can do right by Emma, um, then, then I think, I think it'll, I think it will, uh, save itself despite some serious problems yeah. uh I mean, in these early episodes i think uh, we should say overall uh, i believe at least all of us really enjoy the anime and think it's well directed and the story is great we can say i that. mean there are definitely times where like I'll, I'll there were times catching up where i thought i should just go back to reading the manga then there would be like one really good looking scene and i thought oh that's nice mm-hmm. but I, my feelings are decided I, I love the manga a lot it's probably the most i've enjoyed a shonen jump manga in years but the anime is, eh, eh, it's a mixed bag. Yeah, that's kind of where I am now, too. Especially because I just read the most recent volume and I'm reading it like, fuck, this is so good. <laughs> um, so, okay, we should move on. Um, uh, next on the list, I think I'm the only, no, Peter, you're watching Grimm's yeah. Notes, the animation. I didn't know you were watching that hell one. Yeah. How, 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 you, you're saying hell yeah a lot. Do you like it? Uh, actually, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> it's a little, like, Landish and formulaic. I'm just really wondering if they're going to do anything with this really insane world they've set up where, like, everybody's fate is predetermined. Uh, whether that's going to get any action. Because I feel like the villain could potentially be a good guy or have very good reasons for doing what he's doing. Yeah, it's such a good concept. And I feel like every... First of all, I, I, I really do like the characters. Like, they're, they're a bit archetypal, but they're very pleasant to spend time yep. with. Um, there's, I, there's not really much, uh, in it that I feel like I need to really warn folks about. Mm -hmm. Um, the, I mean, the characters all have like magic powers where they can turn into other, um, like fictional characters and there's no gender restrictions on that, which is kind of neat. So, um, they'll just kind of, you know, pull out whichever character they want that day. Um, um, but yeah, and it keeps, it feels like almost every episode it pushes up against this idea of like, 
being stuck in these roles and these like prescribed paths sucks. Like every week they keep pushing up against it. And then it's like, they keep kind of pulling back at the very end. Um, and I just, I really, I really want to see what they're doing with that overall. Yeah. Um, because I feel like they've, they've made the, the characters who kind of, you know, uh, fall to the darkness, if you want to say it like that. Um, I think the the chaos tellers is what they call them. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they've made them very sympathetic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like, it still doesn't justify like like they they are still hurting other people and they shouldn't be doing that. And so like, it is good that the uh, that our that our team of rollless um, magical travelers um, show up and like you know get that settled. But then they just throw everybody back in their in their prescribed roles. And I'm like, but. Hope it works out. You just out. showed us why this sucks. Yeah. Um, so I am. I'm very, very curious to see what it's doing with a really, really fascinating premise. Um, but execution-wise, I think every week it's it's fine. You know, it's fine. I'm yeah. still watching it. So it's blandish. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, basically, I, I think I'm interested for the same reasons you are. It'll be really interesting if they actually do anything with this. Which some mobile ad. It, I mean, it's a mobile game, so. Some mobile I thought it was a light novel. Because if it's a mobile game, I want to play it. Because honestly, I've been watching it. Like this would make a really good like action adventure RPG. Um... Online free to play role playing game by Square Enix. Oh, you're right. Android and iOS. I don't know why I thought it had a light novel. Oh, oh come well. on, they're pulling Clearly out the cards and turning the into show. storybook characters. It's Heligacha. They even in the even in the pirate episode, they all had their beach outfits. I like this is Heligacha. Yeah, I mean, I totally, th- I totally thought it looked like a, it felt like an RPG. Um... The beach, the beach episode, by the way, was nice because it didn't really, um, it didn't really fan service it up. Like they were in swimsuits, but it didn't get creepy about it, so that was nice. They were just kind of cute swimsuits. I liked the bow that was a inflatable dolphin with a string on it. Yes, yes. yeah. <laughs> the the beach themed the beach themed weaponry was was incredible. Extremely so, good. Yes. Um, there, the art design wise, I think there's some nice touches. Some of the monster designs have been really neat. Um, so it's yeah. I just I think. We're both we both kind of keep coming back to it because these central ideas are really fascinating. So I want to see if they push up against that and commit to it. It hasn't really uh, fucked up either. So uh, like no, no complaints on my side at least. No, I don't have any. I don't have any major complaints either. Yeah. Um, so it's fine. Yep. <laughs> um, it's it's a it's a pleasant twenty two minutes each week with some interesting background ideas to chew on that I hope they do something with. So we'll see. Uh, okay, cool. I get to take a break for this next one. It's Dororo. Um, I got a few episodes in, and... Oh, I still have it listed as a show I've watched. My bad, guys. No, I dropped it after four. Um, but y'all can talk about it. Dororo, well, I think go. I'm at four, so... Wait, you also dropped it? No, I didn't drop it. I, I plan to continue watching it. I've just not watched the latest episode, which is five. No, it's it up six? to six, my dude. Oh, shit. Okay, I'm two episodes behind then. All right, that. it's me. It's all me. I like this show. Um... <laughs> It's still kind of, it, like, it's doing better than Banana Fish. I, I've been talking with Lauren, who is recapping it for Anime News Network, and she went and hunted down the entire manga to read for comparison, and apparently the anime is quite far afield in certain elements, um, so that encourages me a lot in terms of how they plan to handle the story and update certain things that might have been problematic in the original source material. It is kind of an inherently ableist premise like there's even with rewriting there's no getting around the fact that this is about a swordsman character who you know lost his limbs and all of his senses because his father made a 
deal with a demon and so he is you know quote unquote a, a broken or like a hollowed out husk who's trying to become whole again by fighting these demons and getting parts of himself back it it's what it is it kind of sucks in that regard um but i will say that um and i'm really looking forward to one of our contributors writing about this series uh they've done pieces about uh, disability in anime for us before. But uh, aside from that, I feel like Tezuka is trying to do something with this series. Uh, you know, it's during the Sengoku era, and there have been a lot of other characters with disabilities, um, and, you know, predominantly missing limbs, um, or mobility issues. Besides Hyakimaru, the superpowered disability guy, um, and in terms of just, like, you know, living their lives, trying to go on, you know, getting hold of prosthetics. I feel like for the 60s, Tezuka really, really wanted to say something progressive about how you're not necessarily broke. You're not broken when these things happen and you can go on. And I, as the show goes on, I kind of get the feeling that, you know, this is Tezuka, the guy who wrote Astro Boy, which was really important as far as talking about you know, nuclear anxiety in post-World War II Japan. I kind of feel like this is his mash in that it's quote-unquote about the Sengoku era, but it's super not actually about that. And so there's there's a lot of really beautiful moments in the series where, um, where it's just these kind of quiet moments about surviving and, and grief. And um, like at one point in a more recent episode, uh, Hyakumaru gets his hearing back. And the first thing he hears is, somebody weeping over their dead loved one who died as collateral damage so that he could get this piece of himself back. And like, it's full of just really beautiful small touches like that. And it's Mappa. So it looks really pretty. And I don't know, it's, it's definitely, well, this is based on a sixties and uh, a sixties manga, but also it's certainly one of the better adaptations of a classic series that I've seen in a while. And I'm having a good time watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be honest, the only reason I dropped it is um, I've been stressed out a lot recently, and the show is, it's, 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 it's kind of a tough watch. Yeah. Um, it's, and I just, as you may have noticed from the other stuff I'm watching, it's, a lot of it's pretty light and pleasant. Um, I think Promise Neverland is one of the major exceptions, and a, a large reason I'm sticking with that is because I love the manga as much as I do. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it wasn't like, there wasn't anything about it where I pointed to it and said, I don't like this. I just, I was like, this isn't what I want to be watching at this exact point in my life. So it's, it's a show I could absolutely see myself going back to, especially if, um, if your, your future reports on it, uh, are positive. Um, I will say that it's not good with women. Um, basically every woman who's appeared on screen has died and they've either been like mothers and caretakers or evil monsters or the recent two episode arc was a, out and out hooker with a heart of gold story although apparently she was still given more development that she got in the manga <laughs> so yeah but i i like it a lot i i really like dororo i will say that i like him um, and i hope they don't I, I hope they do right by my son they've passed by several they, they've passed by several points where they could have been shitty so my hopes are slowly building mm -hmm. and the brotherly relationship is good i i think it i, I remember watching it and just thinking it did what uh, Megalobox really failed to do by making like an interesting spin on an older story by rather than updating the setting it updated the story it it occurs during the same time but I, I feel like they all the changes that they've made have really made it way more interesting than if they'd been faithful to the manga 
because all the stuff I've heard about the manga sounds really corny and bland. Um, maybe revolutionary for its time, but not anymore. Tezuka's kind of a goofball. Uh, and, and I will say, like, honestly, I, I, the tone they're going, I think if they had gone for a, a, a bit more of that Tezuka tone, I probably would have stuck with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is, again, it's a bit bleak. Yeah. Um, but I could also see how that could be really jarring or um, sort of take away from the the more serious elements of the story as far as, like, you know, the Sengoku War and everything. Yeah, so. yeah they, they definitely nixed a lot of fourth wall stuff. And I'll be honest, I'm not too hot on Tezuka right now, but that's not his fault. It's because the last thing I read was MW and fuck that manga. I haven't read it, but I'll I'll take your word on it. Um, yeah, so. I like it. One to, one to keep an eye on for sure. I'm glad, yeah. And I, again, it's not one that I... I could see myself going back to it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just babe. Apparently, um, apparently, several readers informed me that it's going to be a two core, so that should oh, shit. make it. Oh yeah. yeah, that's plenty of time to for me to decide to come back to it too. Mm-hmm. So cool. So that's nice. Yeah, that gives them plenty of time to tell the story. Cool. Okay. Um, all right. Next one on the list. Uh, this might not take super long. Peter, you're the only person watching Boogie Pop and others. Yep. Um, I dropped it at three and a half episodes and I realized I just didn't care about anything that was going on. <laughs> so how are you doing with it? Uh, uh, so I really liked the first three episode subplot. I thought it was really cool. I mm-hmm. liked the ending. I thought it was kind of like, it was confusing, but it came together really neatly. And like, you know how they like did it out of order and everything. Um, mm-hmm. this next subplot is, seems to be chronologically in order, but there's just so much shit going on. The first plot felt very contained and there were like a, a good number of character groups, but they all felt like important and relevant. And the story still felt like really small. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in sure. this new one, they're just introducing like secret organizations and like weird super powered guys running around and it just feels like chaotic by comparison, even though it's being shown in order. I don't know what anybody wants. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know who half the characters... I mean, I know who they are, but I don't know why they are or why they've been included in the story or what their role is. Uh, So I don't know if they're going to be able to wrap it up in a bow again. Um, But uh, yeah, I'm not as charmed as I was by the first three-episode arc, and I'm becoming concerned that uh, maybe it's actually kind of a very loose, crazy story, which is kind of a, a pattern that's emerging where we're resurrecting old light novel adaptations. Uh, that first anime adaptation was, like, done by an acclaimed director. Seems to be Kino. a thing that keeps happening. Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Well, wasn't the original Boogie Pop anime more like a spinoff story? It wasn't a direct adaptation from the light novels. Yeah, spinoff, famous director... Uh, made a very self-contained story kind of in-universe, mm-hmm. kind of doing their own thing, much like Kino's Journey, uh, I'll say it. Uh, so I, <laughs> I feel like that kind of doesn't really set your expectations up for the new adaptation. And these mm-hmm. it, it, both times where they're trying to have be like more uh, have more fidelity to the light novel, it, the story is mm-hmm. just very like loose and has a lot of accessories and isn't as good. Yeah, and I and I don't know how much they're covering, but if they're trying to cram like an entire novel into three episodes, I mean that would also explain some of the, uh, because I, I thought the first three episodes were kind of a mess to be honest, um, 
and I was willing to stick with it, and then I started the next one, and it was different characters, and I was like, oh, well, I just got mildly attached to these people, and now they're gone, so I guess I'm done, uh, was was why I sort of fell off on it. Um, I've heard decent things about the light novels, about the novels, I guess, are they light novels or novels? Anyway. Um, I should probably get to the more relevant stuff, though, which is... Uh, yeah, sorry. I, a whole lot of girls are dying in the show. Uh, it seems like women are mostly around to get killed to show you how dark the world is. Ugh. That was very apparent in the first three episodes. I noticed that in the first three, but there were enough like prominent female characters that I thought, oh, maybe it'll maybe it'll adjust that as it goes. Uh, sounds like yeah. It did well, not. I they, there's been less killings lately and more like there's weird stuff happening to them and you don't know if the fate is really going to be good. Uh, it's what like the new villain does mind control stuff. So. Uh, which also mm-hmm. happened. They introduced a gay character. He's kind of in. I mean, he hasn't been killed, uh, but he's kind of in a dire situation, which uh, fate uncertain, but could be problematic. Did they so de-gay the gay guy, Peter? No. Well, I mean, I, I kind of uh, as an accessory to what happened to him. The guy like brainwashed him, took like control over him, and now is making him do stuff to further the eagle organization's rule. And like the guy, he's just an empty shell now. Uh, but it's been you the the possibility for him being free does exist. You know it exists. Not sure if it's going to happen to him or if he's going to get killed or what at this point. Um, I don't really think they like messed with his sexuality so much as they like robbed him of his agency as a human being, which has happened to like four characters this arc. But via that's what the villain does. Yeah, uh, they they have a prominent gay character. Don't know what's going to happen to him yet, but he has the same bad thing happened to him that has happened to a couple other characters in this arc. So we'll see if it, if it does a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, besides that, I'm just, I have major concerns about the storytelling and stuff like that. Still watching it though. Yeah. And how they're still interested. The yeah. yeah. Uh, another one to, to, to check up on again. It's almost like the mid season check-in happens halfway through multiple plot lines. What? No. Imagine that. Um, uh, the next one up is Price of Smiles. Uh, right, Peter, you are both keeping up with this one? I really like this show. I don't know why. I was going to say, someone convinced me to go back to it, because I dropped it after four, four and a half episodes. I don't know if I can do that um, for you. I, I, I didn't quite trust it to follow through on what I think it needs to do to be a good show, and I decided that there were other things I'd rather be watching, so I stopped. Yeah. But I'm excited to hear if it ends up following through on some of those promises because if it does i'll go back to it yeah i don't fry <laughs> i don't know what it is um because like in, in certain ways this is a very trope dependent war bad story like yeah. with gundams have you watched a gundam this is it probably like gundam. a gundam <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and like it has nice mobile suit battles they call them something else but like they're mobile suits um and you know war is bad and people need to talk about it and there's a focus on the civilians but there's something about the execution that really draws me like i like that there's not a lot that there's aside of the fact that yuki's outfit is really really stupid uh the other female characters are all competent and interesting and distinct from one another and their outfits are practical or at least practical for their jobs. Um, I like that the, while these are some fairly standard tropes, the writing handles them with relative restraint. Like even when you do the, the, there is a, there's a terrorist bombing in episode four, the last one you watch, there's, 
that that's like the most out there the series gets and it I've seen worse. And a lot of times it's just these very like quiet scenes of, of like grief and loss and people thinking about it and a fair like it's cheating a little bit in that it sometimes feels like fan fiction, that thing that fan fiction does where everybody knows the baseline thing, so you can just kind of dial in on the character stuff you want to explore, except it doesn't always tell us the baseline thing. I feel like, like, D, you kept asking me while you were watching it, what are they fighting over again? <laughs> I was like, did I? I was like, I know I watched some of the early episodes kind of sleepy, right. so maybe I just Come missed on. it's, it. It's but... resources. Weren't you paying attention? It's resources. Yeah, no, I get it. War bad. War over resources. resources. Yeah, yeah. And, but like, and I don't know. I'm just, I'm weirdly charmed by the fact that its opening is a lie. Like it, re- the opening theme, yeah. Like it, it reverse fridges the plucky, uh, hot blooded male love interest in episode two, and ever since then, it's gone on to compound how incredibly inaccurate its opening theme imagery is, and I find that kind of delightful. In addition, with the fact that it looks pretty, and I like these characters well enough, and I sort of admire the way it goes out of its way to avoid melodrama, and I feel like as dumb child protagonists go yuki is by far the least annoying that i've seen in a while yeah she's good actually i i really Uh like yuki as well i was really surprised that he was dead actually because you see him still in a bed so i'm just like is this death or coma i have no idea i'm gonna assume it's coma uh he is super dead my man yeah but then then she visits his grave later i'm like oh (laughs) he's he's totally dead wow yeah yeah Yeah, they fridged him fast uh, no, I think I think the point where I I finally went. I just don't think I can keep watching this. Is was the end of episode four, where it was like all of the adults are very are terribly disappointed that the twelve year old made a naive choice when they hadn't even really bothered to keep her posted on what was going on in the war and how things were Thank going. You, and I felt like they wanted me to be angry at Yuki with them. And I was like, no, she's 12. Why did you put a 12 year old in charge and then get upset when she made, when she made decisions that a good, that a good kid, like not even like a shitty kid. Like she made decisions that a good kid would make because they not, they're not thinking like two steps ahead. Like you need to, if you're running a country or, you know, a general in a war. Yeah. She's even shown to be very intelligent, but usually she's making decisions without all the information because they'd never give her any fucking information so mm-hmm. yeah i right when you said like that kind of contextualized it for me i just hated all the adults in her kingdom <laughs> and then you're just like oh well they're kind of like zeon or at least how zeon originally was before they showed the both sides thing in gundam where it's like oh they're the bad guys i was like yes they are they're totally the bad guys and that's my thing if the show does that, if the show commits to like, oh no, this is, this empire is actually like hoarding resources and they kind of suck, um, and Yuki starts to realize that, I think it could be a really good show and I would absolutely come back to it. I'm not 100% sure that's what it's trying to do. I, I, suspect um, I think it they... might be trying to criticize Yuki for being a naive child. Uh, and I don't think that's cool. So Yeah, I think, I think they are going towards a good place but also they're still they're not free of that burden with the most because at the end of the most recent episode they sort of she tries to give herself up to the empire and they say yeah we'll totally do that and then they shunt her off on an evacuation ship to the hinterlands 
Yeah. So that's where we're they, at. That's what I, I can't stand about the series. They're like saying you have to lead and you can't turn away from this while simultaneously denying her information and disobeying their orders, her orders whenever it's convenient to them. So she's not actually in charge and she doesn't have the information to make decisions, but randomly they let her make decisions and it turns out about 50-50 because I don't know what their rhyme or reason for doing anything is. And I think it, it just sucks either way. Like, you should have either not let her be in charge because she's fucking 12, or you should <laughs> let her be in charge and when she makes an important decision, actually follow it because you've committed to letting this person be your leader. And that's what I hate about the series. Yeah, and, like, if, they're all, if they are, in fact, moving towards these are the antagonists, fine, whatever. I feel like they have certainly poured a lot of time into Stella and her unit um, and that stuff on the ground. I liked the, the episode with them. I was ready to drop the show, and then we got the episode with Stella, and I was like, oh, I like this team. Can we follow this team? Um, and then we immediately went back to Yuki, and I, and then and then I started to have the issues I just mentioned. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I do want to know, with the, the show definitely did an Evangelion poll with, with Stella and the, the pink-haired girl, and I want to know, is it telling me that they're girlfriends or that they're secretly related? It could go either way. <laughs> I, think, uh, I don't think they're related because we already have her know her secret relation uh, which probably won't end well for anybody knowing these types of series yeah I don't and, and I think like it, the promise is just more tragedy too um, so it's hard for me to get enthusiastic about what could possibly develop from all this um, I'm still watching it but like it's done some stuff that's really bothered me, and it's really trying to make everything so fucking sad all the time. That was my other concern, is it was... Yeah, my other concern was it was going to kind of spin out into, like, tragedy porn a yeah. little bit. Um, yeah, there's still room and, for it to do like, that. Like, like, very restrained tragedy porn, but... Um, so yeah, that's, that's why I sort of, I sort of halfway dropped it. Um, but I'm glad you're both watching it because I think there's a lot of potential here. And if it fulfills that potential, I will go back to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm curious to hear what y'all think at the end of the season. Yeah, I think, Definitely. I think right now all of the pieces are in place. It's just a matter of it knows where to put them and how to tie that conclusion together well. Um, okay. We're running long somehow. I thought we were doing good. Um, but this is the we last one on our list. We will... We will skip sequels and carryovers for this one, but we'll do them in the in the series retrospective. Um, so the last show on the list. I mean, we could do like a lightning round if there's something you really want to shout about, Peter. Yeah, um, okay, well, we'll tag on a lightning round then. I mean, you're the one who has to edit it, so if we go long, that's on you. I'll make the sacrifice. Um, okay. Um, so, but the last show, the last new show on our list is The Magnificent Kotobuki. Um, we are all watching this one. I didn't know you were keeping up with this one, Peter. I am. I'm, uh, the stationary cycle has given me superpowers, and I'm keeping up with so many shows that I need to find new shows to watch. Well, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the, um, I, I enjoy the show a lot. Um, it is a little exhausting at times, but, um, just because it, it's, it's a very rapid fire. It almost has the feel of, like, uh, I said this in my three-episode review, too. It almost has the feel of, like, a Monzai comedy routine in terms of being just, like, super fast-paced as far as the, the dialogue back and forth goes. Um, but I, I enjoy the characters. I think the aerial battles are, continue to be, like, really technically impressive. Um, it's, I don't, I don't have a ton of deep thoughts about it. I just have a good time with it every week. I find it kind of exhausting. Well, yeah, I did mention that. Um, yeah, no, no, you're right. And, like, I feel like when it's on, it's really on. And then the 
that then there are some episodes where I'm just like, I'm not keyed into what you're doing, so it's just a bunch of stuff happening at me really fast, and I don't care. I wish I could watch it dubbed or on maybe like half point five speed, a little bit slower, slower. Um, so I could it, because yeah, because it's really oh, rapid they fire. Talk so fast. Um, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, the dialogue is very rapid fire, and I think the dialogue is really fun. Um, I like Yokote's, um, I like the, the, the kind of wit she brings to her scripts, um, but it's hard to soak it in uh, at times, because it is it is coming at you uh, like like the rat-a-tat of their guns. Um, I, I really liked episode four. So, Vry, it sounds like you're not into it I, um, at all. No, I think it's fine. <laughs> like, I really liked episode four. It kind of reminded me of Princess Principal, to be honest. Um, and then episode five... Which one was episode four again? Uh, that was the, the steal the painting one. Yeah. yeah, that one was really good. That one took a little bit more time to breathe, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I think it really succeeded for it. And then all the other episodes have been, like, I like elements of this. Um, I like some of the ideas they're going with. I, I really like uh, Julie is her name, the woman who's perpetually the politician, tired. politician, right? Are you talking about the politician? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she's, she's very annoyed, but also a boss. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I don't dislike any of the girls. It's just that I feel like every episode the show has a thing that it wants to do, um, and then if you onboard with the premise, then that is great, and you are going to have a great time. And if it misses you, or you're not, like, clicking with what they're doing, then it's just the aerial stuff, I think, by, you know, necessity, is a little bit less flashy as the show's gone on, because they have to, you know, conserve resources and all of that, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But it just means that I have more time to think about the writing, which I think is weaker than the visuals on this particular show so sometimes it just seems like i'm strapped in for something that's just okay but i also can't look away from it to play with my phone so it's a lot of things all at once <laughs> i might lean more toward Vry on this one like I, I actually that's a really good example because on the setup to the infiltration episode the one where it was just the guys showing up and saying hey trade this the writing for this painting and then they get into this big town defense thing i was just so bored for that entire episode uh then the next one they like infiltrate the guy's base and they meet the the girl painter and they kind of do some fun stuff and they show like that uh rest stop in the middle of nowhere and that girl's in the back of the plane and they she does somersaults to throw around when she's annoyed with her i felt like all those things were funny or interesting things uh it's just like the show's super hit or miss for me and i don't really know what it's trying to be because yeah the princess principle was the thing uh, or uh, release the spice. I was wondering if it was trying to be one of those types of shows, but a lot of the time they're just kind of being very reactionary or listless, even. And I, I'm not always on track for what the show's like really trying to accomplish, especially because like with both of the the other shows in that example, I think they are trying to go for like this strong kind of like um, thematic visual style. Like Princess Principal was trying really hard to be steampunk, and it had the visual chops to pull that out but this show uh i don't know the character designs and the cg kind of don't mix i feel like the the world could look really interesting but i don't know if they have the resources to make it look interesting and if you set a world like up in this like ghibli-esque uh kind of like world of planes porco rosso type deal uh i feel like you're wanting to make it look good but if you can't do that then it just feels very barren so I I feel very differently about the show depending upon what's going on. But I think most of the time I'm just kind of okay on it. 
Yeah, like I've never, I have, there has yet to be an episode that I have disliked. There, there just are a couple where I got a little fidgety, but I had to look at it because everything happens so fast. And sometimes there is a good joke or a really cool flying maneuver and you don't want to have missed that one because you looked away for a minute. Mm. I loved the whole thing in episode three with Elite Industries being like, we're a corporation, we're not pirates. And the just running just it was such a good running joke about like there's actually not that much of a difference between an exploitative corporation and a criminal organization uh i thought it was kind of brilliant that was sly so, i liked that they had a song but and i but i don't know i mean mizushima's kind of he's a interesting director and that style of like rapid fire may have also been something he wanted to do with this particular show um i don't know i have nothing else to add yeah i'm out of words um your mileage may I, I am glad that you're having know. a good time with it, genuinely. I like yeah. it. Remember, Peter, when you were like, early Air Force is all about how planes are cool? That's how I feel about Magnus and Kotobuki. I was thinking about Kotobuki I'm, when I was saying that, to be honest. <laughs> I'm very yeah. I'm very fond of, like, kind of the old-fashioned, like, World War One era sort of uh, plane, like, aerial battle type stuff. And so having an anime that is uh, playing with that and... Um, has characters who I wish we had I wish they had more development but I find them all fun okay well it's too bad you guys aren't liking it as much but that's fine I just got majorly dunked on for Price of Smiles we're both okay <laughs> sorry sequel, that's sequels. true spread evenly that's true yeah. we're all we're all we're all we're all uh we're, we're actually more split on these than I thought we would be which is which is interesting it makes for better podcasting right that's how that works so. Um, okay, so there was something in the sequels carryover shorts category that you wanted to touch on, Peter? Oh, yeah, I just wanted to say the best rom-com of the past, of the past five years, Black Clover is back with a new dating episode, which was very good. <laughs> okay, good to know. Um, I also think we were both on the same page that Mob Psycho 100 is very good this season. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. It's a bit darker than I thought it would be, um, which I, I kind of miss the lightheartedness, but it's doing I some I thought stuff. the first season was kind of mean-spirited at times so i think the second season is i think i think by the i think by the second half of the first season it had settled into what it wanted to be which was a story with with uh with a kinder undercurrent to it and i think season two is following through on that more um but yeah no it's it's definitely gone some some uh intense places along the way and it looks beautiful and it's been it's been really good so some some fat jokes in the second i didn't like the second episode very much it was it it leaned back into that kind of mean-spirited tone that some of the early stuff had i think with some kind of uh sort of sort of some fat jokes about the 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 other psychic uh, guy exorcist they met up with yeah um but otherwise it's been the season has been excellent like i was a little bit lukewarm about season one and i'm like very up on this one so didn't know that I did want to call that one out as well. Um, okay, I think I think that's it. I think we are done here. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Chatty AF. If you like what you heard, tell your friends about our show. And if you really like what you heard, we'd love it if you'd head on over to our Patreon and become a patron for at least a dollar a month. Your support really goes a long way towards making Anime Feminist happen both in print and in your earbuds. So if you're interested in that, the link is www.patreon.com backslash animefeminist. Uh, if you want to hear more from the team and our contributors, uh, you can check us out at www.animefeminist.com, on Facebook at AnimeFem, on Tumblr at AnimeFeminist, and on Twitter at AnimeFeminist. And that's the show! Thanks for listening, Annie Fam, and we will catch you in a couple of weeks.